And for those of you joining us online, we just want to wish you a happy Easter also to you and your family. Thank you so much for joining us for this special Easter Sunday. I was really reluctant to do this. Um, I'm just going to ask if the team just stay with me for a moment. Uh, <clears throat> welcome. Glad you're here. Um, a number of you have been asking how my trip went. And I plan to share some details of that over these next few weeks. But I just feel the Lord compelling me to share something with you in a moment where uh, our hearts are really softened to Him. I'm utterly blown away by what God is revealing in this hour of the church. <clears throat> and um, I, I've, over the last few weeks, I've been um, just speaking in these different places in the UK, in different forums of leaders from, from many nations of the world. I have a crazy story I'll share with you if, I, if we have time uh, together about an Iranian pastor who's been imprisoned. Uh, for serving Jesus but I just want to say um, I, I felt the Lord compelling me when I was speaking at this particular event that was kind of the centerpiece of why I was over there uh, we did you know things around that but this was the main reason I went <clears throat> and I just felt the Lord say to me that I've, I've been speaking there for 20 years every, every year we've gone over and I felt the Lord say to me this is the most significant word you've ever released about the church in England and and in England their um, their sense of humor and disposition is not exactly like ours uh, in, in a lot of respects but one of the things uh, they're, they're kind of hard to impress why you know you and I as Americans we're real ambitious and adventurous and let's get there and let's go and somebody could say something like I'm about to share the most significant word I've ever spoken in 20 years uh, and we in, in America would kind of lean into that typically in the culture of UK they would lean back from that like oh yeah go ahead now you're gonna have to impress me type of thing so I knew I was setting myself up to do so uh, but I just felt the Lord compelling me to do it and so I want to give you the essence of this word and it's something we're gonna break down over the next few weeks and start to gain some understanding you're really not going to comprehend it because I still don't but I believe we're in one of the most significant reformation hours of the body of Christ that the world has ever known we've really lost a lot of ground in the church particularly in the Western world and England is the Western world with us in the Western world mindset of the church but in 0202-2020 February 2nd 2020 Tracy actually stood up here and she said this prophetic word and she said the church has not only entered into the year 2020 the church has entered into the decade of the 20s and it's the roaring 20s not like the 1920s but the roaring 20s like the 2020s where the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah is being awakened in the body of Christ it was a powerful word and, and immediately I started cultivating and, and spoke a, a number of sermons about the prophetic roar of God being awakened in the body of Christ but what I've learned and, and looked at and realized and, and part of what I was sharing there was the face of the eagle is symbolic of the office of the prophet. And, and I'll break this down in scripture for you in, in weeks ahead. But the face of the eagle that we read about in Ezekiel 1 is symbolic of the prophet. The face of the lion is symbolic of the apostle. And, and we don't understand apostle very much. It's not something we've known and understood. But how many of you know with God, the beginning speaks of the end? And in the beginning, when God awakened the church, which I, we're going to talk about today, he mobilized the church as the ultimate primary chief apostle, Jesus Christ himself, who laid down all authority and, and sacrificially gave himself so that we might have life. And we're so thankful for that. But that awakened then an apostolic grace in the first century church that began to mobilize the body of Christ in incredible power that actually began to transform society in phenomenal, amazing ways. 
and since the beginning speaks of the end and the latter days, the last days church where our sons and daughters will prophesy, what's going to happen is the awakening of the apostolic grace that God used to launch the church is the awakening of the apostolic grace God's going to use to release the church to fullness of maturity. And folks, we've not just entered into a decade of the roaring 20s where the prophetic roar is being awakened. We've entered into the roaring 20s where the apostolic grace of God is about to come upon you and me as the body of Christ. And we're going to learn something of humility and authority and the power of God Almighty. We're going to learn, come on, we're going to learn something of humility, authority, and the power of God Almighty. And this is so significant because I'm speaking there on March the 31st, the last day of the, of the, the, of the month of March in 2023. And the Lord just said to me before I went up to speak that my bride, the bride of Christ, is pregnant with apostolic grace and she's about to go into the second trimester. I don't know what that is <laughs> I mean I understand a little bit but I've never had a baby <laughs> so I googled it between Google and God you can figure stuff out and I mean I started seeing some crazy realities of a woman's body what she endures as she goes from the first trimester to the second trimester and, and, and again, we'll talk about these things. It's not the message I want to bring today. I just felt the Lord say, I need to speak this into the atmosphere, and uh, particularly just to awaken this, but also that we might understand that was one day before April, and when I looked at a decade divided by three, it breaks down in three years and four months, six years and eight months, nine years and 12 months, or 10 years. You get me? So we are in April of 2023, the conclusion of the first trimester of the pregnant bride. And in this decade of the roaring 20s, where the apostolic grace is actually going to be born, I believe we really are. I'm not kidding. I believe we literally are in a day and in an hour where uh, we are going to be known in a modern day era of the apostolic reformation of the body of Christ. And God is about to awaken this within our hearts. We're moving into the second trimester starting May 1st and I just, it hit me uh, in our staff Tracy actually pointed this out if you notice on your seat our worship night is the last day of April 2023 the night before May 1st as we step into the second trimester of this we're going to be in this place worshiping God I just think all of this is very significant I think we've played patty cake church, raising up a bunch of consumers with the great attraction who show up to church when they find it convenient Instead of understanding the sacrificial nature of Jesus Christ and what it means to give ourselves to something that is actually the matter of eternity in this world in which we live. And, and let, let me just, I want to let you off of the hook a little bit as a congregational family, those of you joining us online. I mean, I, I mean, you know, this is just like, welcome to Easter, man, heavy, isn't it? The Lord is just saying, I am not going to allow my bride to remain immature. I'm going to draw her to places of great maturity. And, and we need to understand this. We need to recognize that God is awakening this uh, within us. So Lord, I just pray um, that you would help us understand you're calling us to greater depth. And as pastors and leaders that have uh, rallied together our best efforts to produce clever presentations on an Easter Sunday morning, I just say, would you forgive us? Because what your people don't need is man's clever. What your people do need is God's power. So I pray that all of us as pastors and leaders, Lord, would move into a place where we would understand a deeper revelation of prayer as the reality of our existence. That that would be awakened in the body of Christ. Mature us, Lord. Do whatever it takes to take us there, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. It's a dangerous prayer, but if you agree with it, say amen. One of the pastors in one of the events made this statement. And it rocked me. COVID came. And I don't know if you know it or not, but a lot of people stopped going to church. 
like attendance across the nation has declined substantially as a result of COVID where people then started just kind of tapering into an online uh, only perspective and then a, a many just completely disconnected uh, maybe some people joining us online for the first time in a long time uh, and, and the problem is people like me get up here and we pound on this and we open up our Bibles and we say you know uh, not not in these words but but shame on you for not being more devoted and you know I mean that that's kind of what this this hateful angry religious rhetoric that has not matured the body of Christ but actually has repelled the body of Christ away from the maturity God calls us to. And this pastor got up and he said, a lot of people stopped coming to church after COVID. He said, my question is, what were you pastors teaching them before COVID that caused them to stop coming after COVID? Come on. We've got to take some responsibility. I'm asking you to take responsibility for your life, for your faith, for your walk, for your children, for this legacy of eternity. But I promise you, I'm taking responsibility for my call to stand before you and not play patty cake and not allow surface. But come on, let's go deep. Come on, let's take about 60 seconds to give the Lord our God praise from the bottom of our hearts. Wake us up, oh God, to the greater reality of eternity as our way of life. In the mighty name of Jesus, we surrender our hearts to you, O oh God. Teach us your way. You are the risen King who set the ultimate example of surrendering everything that you are. In the name of Jesus. good day he's alive thank you guys so much thank you so much thanks well let's just say thanks to our worship team who just ushers the presence of God powerful wonderful ways you know Steve Upple is an external elder to our church from England and he literally speaks at every major event in the UK so he is on, always on the go. And he said to me a few years ago when he came here, and I mean, I'm, I'm not embellishing this at all. I want you to know. He said, never have I experienced the kind of open heaven worship that you have in this church. Do you understand what a big deal that statement is for somebody who is all over the world and all the major, I mean, come on, I am so thankful. And that's not a brag at all, but that's just to say, our team is really knocking it out of the park in their pursuit of Jesus. That's what produces and releases that, their pursuit of God. Their worship practices on Tuesday night, it's like worship. It's not just practice and presentation. It's worship. It's really engaging, going deeper. So uh, that which takes place in your life in the physical actually is the result of that which is taking place in your life in the spiritual. In other words, that which is seen is actually the result of that which is unseen. So how's your unseen life doing? Are you focused more on the presentation of your life than you are really that which is going on in your heart? Because God's interested in character. We tend to be interested in reputation. He wants to address the things on the inside while we're focusing on the things on the outside. And it's very easy to do that. And then in doing so, uh, we get it all wrong. I, I have a very good friend who told me. They were asked to share a testimony for an extremely well-known video-focused church. And when he started sharing the testimony, they kept saying, cut, 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 cut. Ten times they cut. And finally they said, we need you to produce some tears. I hope that just goes all over you. What we don't need anybody to do is fake anything on behalf of God. What we do need is for Jesus to have his way in our heart, to awaken us to the reality of eternity. And once you get a hold of understanding the reality of eternity, it changes everything about the way you live. Jesus died. He was buried. 
but he's alive. He's risen, and in, that, in the resurrection of Christ came the release of the church. It's a beautiful picture that out of the first Adam, God reached into his side and pulled out a rib, and there came a bride and Jesus hanging on the cross, I believe, in the same inner space of his side. Blood and water would flow, and the New Testament church, the bride of Christ, would be born, Jews and Gentiles. I don't think we understand who we are. I don't think we understand what God desires to do. I think we've settled for so much less. It's given us a disdain for church. Some people have been so frustrated with the church. I understand. Uh, one of the books we've written is called Religious Confusion. It's about the essence of confusion that's going on in the church. We're trying to address that as best we know how and just ask the Lord to help us in all of it. But a lot of people have kind of abandoned the idea of church, not because they're running from their faith, but because they're actually trying to preserve it. Kind of heavy, isn't it? But what we don't need is religiosity of any sort. And so I want to kind of walk you through an understanding. As the birth of the New Testament church happened, people knew the church as the Jesus movement of their generation. You understand, you and I are actually the Jesus movement of our generation. Now, most people in the Western world church would not describe the church as a Jesus movement. Would you agree? And largely that's because of an identity crisis that's taking place. And I just felt the Lord was asking me uh, to, to peel back some layers as we start to look at this and recognize. So, so, you know, Jesus is alive. The church is first Jesus inspired and then Jesus empowered. Aren't you glad? He's not, he's not just inspiring, but he's empowering. You're supposed to walk with great power. Everybody say power. You should carry the, this, this sense of eternity within you in such a way that that which is around you in a temporal way, it simply does not hold you hostage. It's what Tracy said about our demonic bunny that lives in our house. It just... I literally, I didn't want the bunny. I literally thought, you know what would be great on Easter is a live bunny crucifixion right here. <laughs> That's just a joke. <laughs> I just want to say to PETA for joining us right now. It's just a joke. It's a very bad joke. But if anybody would like to take a bunny home, talk to me in private. We'll make arrangements. <clears throat> but it's like the bunny that's just living in less than what it's actually capable of doing. That thing is able to jump high, but it just didn't figure it out until finally it figured it out, and then it jumped out, and then it keeps jumping out. And like, it keeps jumping out. And some of you have been living in this space of confinement, but you're about to jump out. Like even this morning, something within you is being awakened. Right now, come on, you ought to just clap your hands and call it in. Something's being awakened within your heart, within your life. It's time to break out. It's time to be free. It's time to run this race in places and ways that we've never understood. We're actually called by God to run the race. And people don't give up on, you know, what God's doing in the earth because of the teachings of Christ. What they give up on is the people of God that don't resemble the teachings of Christ. And that's very confusing, and we are reconciling that. The church should resemble the blueprint of Scripture. And it will, in Jesus' mighty name. God's restoring His bride. We're coming to a place of great maturity. And, and it's going to be uh, painfully beautiful and beautifully painful. At the, center of the, at the center of the kingdom of God is the crucifixion of Christ. So let's recognize sacrifice is part of the deal. So the church has lost her identity. Most people wouldn't uh, you know, call, uh, call us a Jesus movement. What, what took place? Jesus is risen from the grave. The church gets mobilized, inspired, empowered. And, and the church then in Rome starts to suffer great persecution. If you know about church history, people were singing while they were burned at the stake. Literally, Jesus was coming into that moment with them and somehow sheltering and shielding them where they were experiencing eternity in a temporal circumstance that's beyond our wildest imagination. How many know God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, beyond all we can ask or imagine? And so in this moment of, of, of incredible persecution, the church scatters and is just exploding. The Jesus movement only grows stronger as a result of persecution because the temporal world can never squelch the eternal power of God. It only causes it to expand and go further. And as it continued to expand, the emperor, Constantine, then gave his life to Christ. How about that? That's pretty awesome. Uh, when you've got Constantine then coming to know the Lord, now Christianity 
is no longer illegal, but now it's legalized. The problem is the movement changed after Christianity was legalized because after it got legalized, then it got horribly organized, and the church has been trying to return to its original biblical identity ever since. So in Rome, this Jesus movement gradually uh, became an institution. The Jesus movement went to Greece, and it turned from being a Jesus movement to becoming a philosophy. The Jesus movement went into um, Greece, into Europe. And in Europe, the Jesus movement gradually converted until it became religious ideology. And the Jesus movement came to America, and we've gradually turned it into a business, a very lucrative business. And we really need the Lord to help us see this with greater understanding so that we might fulfill what he's called us to fulfill. And we're, we're working with a number of different pastors and leaders that are not just American pastors and leaders. It's crazy to me uh, that God actually used us as a nation to send missionaries all over the world. Isn't that beautiful? We really need those missionary seeds that we've sown to now come back to help us get this right. The Iranian pastor that I'm mentioning as I'm standing there, uh, you know, I, I'd just spoken this, this word of this apostolic grace, and, and it really was, um, I mean, we all were just in a, in a sense of stunned. God just deposited something that's really, we're, I, I really believe we are in one of the greatest reformations of the church that the world has ever seen. We're a part of this. And, and these different leaders from different places are there, and we're all just crying out to God. And, and this Iranian pastor happens to be a woman, by the way. She came up, and, and she was coming to ask if I would pray for her, which is kind of crazy. Like, she just got released from prison for her faith. She was in prison for her faith, horrifically tortured. Like in Iran, you have to quietly go into spaces of worship, and you can't make a lot of noise because if the officials hear you and they know that you're worshiping Jesus, they'll come into the room. Uh, you'll be beaten. The women may be raped. I mean, it's a horrific atmosphere for the church to exist. That's the kind of society that she was in. And people in her church started getting arrested in large numbers, and she literally went to the authorities and said, I refuse to remain free when those I'm leading have been imprisoned. I deserve to be imprisoned as well. And they actually imprisoned her. And then she's asking me, will you pray for me? And I'm just standing there when I'm hearing the details of her story and I'm just like, no, will you pray for me? Like, I don't have a clue what it means to devote myself or surrender myself to the sacrificial nature of Christ like you understand. I need you to impart that to me. She did pray for me. I believe I'm carrying that right now in another level way for you. Will you receive that over your own life and allow God to awaken something within your heart that will help us all grow into a deeper place in Christ? Jesus didn't die so you could merely go to church. And that's why we're stepping into this next season. We don't do these nice packaged series anymore. I don't, you know, I don't judge anybody who's doing this in other churches. We just have decided that rather than, you know, picking up on a way to market a message and really packaging it really, what we just want to do is discern a season, not present a series. And the Lord just said there was a shifting of seasons that we're stepping into, and I'm introducing it today. And, and I'm glad that you've decided to go to church, and we should gather as the church with conviction, being devoted to the eternal cause of Christ, the eternal purposes of God, not forsaking ourselves together, uh, of assembly together. I'm glad you're here. That's wonderful. But if that's what we're doing and that's the extent of it, that's a problem. So we're, we're going to ask that when you go to church, you learn to go be church, and that's the whole focus of this apostolic sending of the body of Christ, awakening the authority of God within the believers, like real live believers, authentic, normal people like you and me.
This is part of why God, I believe, asked me to, to lead the church. It's why uh, a group of leaders, and I, I, I think I saw Andy uh, Schultz over here, Andy, who was one of those leaders that invited me in and like took a chance and took a risk and, and probably regretted it many times in, in all honesty. But the fact was, I'm just not a professional at this. I never got a theology degree. Nobody ever taught me how to preach. Like I'm the first person in my family who ever graduated from high school. Do you understand? like I don't deserve to be doing any of this stuff I have a drug background I know I understand what addiction is about but Jesus is alive and he said I want to raise somebody up that'll stand before the people and declare you don't have to have some kind of a great accomplishment to be used mightily by God See, largely the world has the wrong idea about the church because Christians have the wrong idea about themselves. But we're going to start to figure out who we really are, who God's called us to be. We're going to step into this next realm of the grace that God desires for the body of Christ to dwell in. And out of that, I believe explosive kingdom advancement is coming to the church. We've, we've, we've seen centuries of reformation of the church. I'm sorry, this, I'm going just totally off. But I just sensed the Lord just stirring something deeper than I was anticipating. We have centuries of reformation of the church based on the teachings of Paul, and rightfully so, the teachings of Paul and the letters to the churches, it's, that is canon of Scripture. We know that's divinely inspired by God. I'm not questioning that at all. But folks, the teachings of Paul should actually rest on the foundation of the teachings of Jesus. Not the teachings of Jesus resting on the foundation of the teachings of Paul, but the teachings of Paul resting on the foundation of the teachings of Jesus. The reason that's so important is because Paul talks a lot about the church and a little about the kingdom. Jesus primarily talks about the kingdom and a little bit about the church. And it's time for the king's dominion, the kingdom of God, to be released in the body of Christ that we might step into the fullness of what God's called us to. Instead of, we, we built this church empire in many ways. And the Lord is saying the kingdom of God is built on humility and sacrifice and surrender. Not the brand and the profile. And let's make sure we get our marketing strategy right. Here's what's happening. God is not interested in the religious application of a cultural ideology or a culture theology. He's not interested in that. He's warring against it. We're going to understand that more clearly as we learn what it means to go be church. But, but what's happening is rather than God trying to make you positive, um, you know, stop trying to be good. Start learning to be dead. When you die to yourself, Jesus lives through your surrender. You can only be so good. You're going to have to figure out that being good is actually not what God has called you to. Being dead is what he's called you to. And you've got to die daily. Are you in the word? Are you in prayer? Do you understand fasting and praying? Are you going to show up to church when it's convenient? What about giving? Are you going to give? I mean, you understand people like gave before we ever got here. Like there were buildings built before we ever arrived, chairs purchased before we ever arrived. Do you understand God actually wants to use us to prepare for the next generation church so they show up and they're able to worship God and grow in greater maturity because we made a way for them? Loving, serving, giving from the eternal perspective of God is the sacrificial nature of Christ being awakened in the body of Christ, releasing the kingdom of God in the earth, and it's generational. It's not just I want a great place for me to come worship. Come on, it's more than that. It's about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob declaring that there'll be 40 generations after us hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the real deal gospel of Jesus Christ being released in the earth. I want to say again, largely the world has the wrong idea about the church because Christians have the wrong idea about themselves. There was this church that was very upset because a man built a bar right across the, the street from the church. They didn't know what else to do, so they just initiated this prayer campaign. 
wasn't very long until the storm came through and lightning struck the bar, burst into flames, burned to the ground. The owner of the bar sued the church for destruction of his property. The church defended itself saying, we have no control over lightning. The judge, perplexed in front of the plaintiff and defendant, said, it appears I have a bar owner who believes in prayer and a church that does not. (laughs) We do realize crazy things happened in the Bible when we look at the church walking in the power of God. We do realize crazy things, like the Bible says these believers, this Jesus movement, turned their world upside down. They they didn't just kind of walk there and try to be nicer. They literally turned their world upside down as God's kingdom began invading the earth and all darkness began to be forced back. I, I, did, I know this is crazy. I'm just going to make this statement. And again, I'm kind of going out on a limb with some things that I just didn't feel were comfortable bringing on an Easter Sunday because quite frankly, there are a number of you in here that don't really attend church very normally. Uh, many probably don't really even read the word, don't necessarily have your hearts plowed and ready to receive the deeper seed of God's word and the greater meat of what God desires, but I'm calling it out of you in Jesus' mighty name. You are more than you have thought you were, and God is taking you to a deeper place of understanding his eternal purposes. Listen to this statement. There is more power in a single Christian than all the armies on the face of the earth. These these sons and daughters of God were awakened to become the movement that Jesus called the church to be. And in that awakening, suddenly the most most powerful influences on the planet began to know who these people were, and soon they began to live in great fear of them. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. As I read this, I want to just point out something to you. God desires for you to walk in great power. But be very careful with that revelation and that reality. Because the pursuit of power is absolutely contrary to the kingdom of God. It's the pursuit of humility that brings the result of authority in your life. And if it's the pursuit of authority then you'll never have that entrusted to your care. And if it's the pursuit of humility so you can get authority, then it's actually the pursuit of authority, and only Jesus can help you sort through what I'm talking about. I mean, what I'm saying to you is profoundly important in this hour of the church. So you're going to start to see things in Scripture you've never seen before. Like, over the last six months, I'm I'm blown away. Something's happening in the body. I, I mean, Tracy, I, I left, you know, for England, and, and she was here and, and came home, and, and, like, we start concluding our evening, and, and I'm just like, um, I'm about to turn on the news, which is kind of our tradition, you know? And she said, oh, yeah, since you've been gone, I haven't even watched the news. I was like, well, what do you mean? She said, yeah, I've just been in the Word. I've been praying. I've been listening to sermons. When I go to bed, I'm just like, man, I'm a loser. I've been leading my wife down the wrong path. Something's happening in my bride, and it's a prophetic indicator. Jeff said the same thing. We're talking over there, and Jeff just said, something's happening in my bride. God's awakening something in Chrissy. I just say to some of you, something's happening in your bride, and it's a prophetic declaration of what the Lord is doing in the church, the bride of Christ. And we need to really step into a deeper place of pursuit. Man, I I mean, there's so much going on in my spirit right now. Ah. I just want to stop and take a bunch of notes because I I keep hearing the Lord say, we're going to bring that in the next few weeks. (laughs) Like, I I understand that would be a great marketing strategy to try and get you back. That's not what that is. I'm not manipulating you in any way. I just want to do what the Lord desires for us to do. 
And if, if we come back and all we do is just sit in the presence of the Lord and nobody gets up and speaks, come on, I, I don't care. I just want to do whatever the Lord wants to do. Nobody's here to try and impress anybody. I'm more devoted to that, more surrendered to that reality than ever before. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 and following. I want you to hear the word power multiple times in this. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Your inner being needs work. You need to understand that you've got to strengthen your inner man. Your outer man and your inner man are at odds with each other. And if you don't strengthen your inner man, your outer man will take control. But if you will strengthen your inner man, you will then begin to interact with God. Your flesh never prays. You only your spirit prays. Strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. How are you supposed to have power? Together, in unity, with all the Lord's holy people. This is not you individually. This is us. We're going to have to learn the spirit of unity uh, and what that really looks like in relationship, family. He's our father. We're brothers and sisters. We're not going to attack each other. And, and the only way we can keep from having these issues going on in our hearts just erupting and emerging in frustration is that we're dying to ourselves and living to the power of Christ. Verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I, I, I know I, probably for a couple of years I've been pointing to this verse and like I don't understand. Do you understand? You're going to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Let me just say again, there's more power in a single Christian than all armies on the face of the earth because you're filled to the measure of the fullness of God when you start to walk in this revelation. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. How many you know this what I'm saying is beyond your imagination? You cannot contain this in your imagination. You cannot produce this in your imagination because you are are a spirit with a body some things are too big for your imagination to contain your spirit has to be healthy and alive so it can actually carry and birth things that are beyond your wildest imagination you've got to be spiritually well to be who God's called you to be you can't just strive for greater positivity and good reflection in your life. You've got to become spiritually alive and spiritually well so that your spirit can give birth to the kingdom of God in the world around you. You may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Verse 20, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power. That is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. To, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Jesus is not only with us, he is within us, desiring to release his resurrection power through us to the world around us. Happy Easter celebration, Resurrection Day. Come on. I am learning I can be more emotionally charged than I am spiritually mature. Uh, I can rant and I can stir up a crowd. Part of my gift is an activator. I can activate you and it's not always good. <clears throat> and out of that realization in my own self, I came to the understanding most Christians are more emotionally charged than they are spiritually mature. And I'm simply saying all this because I had other stuff I was going to go into, and I just felt the Holy Spirit give me a little bit of a pause. And I just want to learn what it means to live by the Spirit. How about you? Like just walking through the course of your day, and you just, like, this is the plan. This is what I had planned. I've been thinking about this, you know, all day long. I'm gonna, and then the Lord just gives you a pause. Will you just pay attention, learn to pay attention to that pause, because that might be a moment he wants to do a work within you that you just race past and miss if you're not careful. So I just sense the Lord just saying he wants to just take us to this uh, little, little thing on your seat. Just go ahead and grab that little piece of plastic. Inside that is something I want you to take with you today. Along with a bunny. <laughs> the highest bidder 
Is anybody else having a hard time getting this open? Anybody have a hacksaw? Got it. Inside that, you'll feel one really soft piece of velvet and then one slightly rough piece of Velcro. How many know they feel different? It's just a different feel. So just hold them in, in each hand, just one's velvet, one's Velcro. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. This is speaking of those that have not yet grown spiritually enough to handle mature revelation from God. This is what this is speaking about. Hebrews 5, 14. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Prior to this, he's saying, there's some things I'd really like to tell you, but you are not spiritually ready. Kind of my mode for Easter is, I, you know, all of us as pastors, we realize, again, Easter's kind of a blended larger crowd. I'm, I'm, not being, uh, I'm not being rude at all. That's not the motive of my heart when I'm saying this. It's just a reality that a lot of people will show up on an Easter Sunday that just aren't really, you know, given to attending church. It's, it's no... That's between you and the Lord, and I'm not angry at you about that. The Lord wants to do a work in all of our hearts, and he'll meet us right where we are. Aren't you glad that he always meets us right where we are? But, but understand, the mode of, of an Easter Sunday would be let's keep this as shallow and enjoyable and humorous and make sure you've got all these elements because what you want to do is not offend everybody, and you want to keep them all coming back. But then I look at the model Jesus actually gave us in Scripture, and I don't really see where he was trying to be seeker-sensitive in his approach. Like he said things like, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have nothing to do with me. Happy Easter, everybody. I mean, you know, it's just like crazy stuff I'm reading, and I, I'm starting to see this and understand this as the Lord's trying to awaken this. And so that, that's what this is saying. Like there are some deep things that you're just not ready for. I want you to have them, but you're just not yet ready for them. And, and, and solid food is for the mature, those who have, by, who, who have their powers of discernment. Do you know you have power of discernment? You have powers of discernment that exist within you? This is a capacity that is within you? When I was born, I had the capacity to walk, but I had to actually develop the ability to do it. You've got capacity to walk in the Spirit, but you have to develop the ability to do it. And the more you spend time in prayer and the more you spend time in the Word, you're going to begin to discern situations. And you're going to be like, yeah, that, I, I sense a little bit of a velvet there. I, I think this may be the Lord. I'm going to keep moving it. Or other times you're going to be like, yeah, I don't know. That's a little Velcro. Something a little rough. Something a little off on that. It's your powers of discernment, not just decision-making. I'm talking about discernment. I'm not talking about your human abilities in, in your humanity. I'm talking about your spiritual abilities that are actually rooted in deity and who he is is in you like this is kind of crazy but there are powers of discernment that exist within you and when you get in the word and you get in times of prayer you devote yourself to what it takes to really explore the eternal nature of God you start growing in these powers of discernment you ought to be able to discern me whether I'm just trying to entertain you or if I'm really plugged into the source of the power of God Nobody should ever stand before the body of Christ in this hour of the church and not be discerned to some degree of are they really coming by the Spirit or are they just trying to, to impress us? These are dangerous prayers to pray. Lord, help the church be discerning enough to figure me out if I'm off. And help us to be loving enough not to judge if we discern that because we're all just on a journey trying to find our way. We have grace for each other as we're trying to figure this out. Velvet, Velcro. And the Lord just spoke to me that he's going to begin to help train us in the powers of discernment to discern. Our decision making is going to be more about what we're discerning rather than what we're thinking through intellectually. It's about what we're discerning spiritually. Everywhere we go, we bring God's presence to real life. And I want to ask you this week, if you'll give God purposeful time so he can simply help you on this journey of becoming everything he's designed you to be. You just can't have to start where you are. Some of you don't pray. 
Some of you pray when you need a parking place. Some of you pray when you have a meal. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. We're followers of Christ. We need to have a life that actually looks like the life of Christ. He prayed often. When the disciples wanted the power, what did they say? They didn't say, Jesus, teach us how to get the power. They said, teach us to pray. They saw the connection. And the more we spend time with him, whatever that looks like, I want to challenge you, take the turn the page challenge. If you'll go to our our website, there's a 60-second video on this to help you understand it more fully. It's uh, Destiny OKC blog. In fact, the link will pop up here, and just so you get a visual of it, I want you to, to go to the blog this week, and, and I've got further, more stuff written there than I was able to get to today, but the, the Turn the Page Challenge is on there, and you just get an old-fashioned Bible, and you start in the book of Genesis, and you actually write the date at the top of the page, Genesis 1-1, and then you just turn, you read and turn the page, and what do you do the next day? You put the date at the top of the page, and you read turn the page, put your bookmark, and the next day, and you just get this rhythm going. If you miss a day, it, it doesn't keep you from going to heaven. I want to encourage you to know, okay? Just pick up wherever you left off. Just keep going. And you will actually read all the way through your Bible in less than three years if you'll do this consistently. And ultimately, you can have little prayers in there. I've been writing little prayers. Lord, would you awaken my heart to the deeper reality of eternity? Just a little prayer. My great, great, great grandchildren, who I'll never meet, will one day see my prayers and read my prayers in a Bible that's going to become an heirloom so that I am actually impacting uh, generations of people beyond my life with my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a beautiful reality. I believe this is part of an inspired idea by God for us to understand and comprehend. And, And on the blog, you can see where Jesus is revealed in every book of the Bible. When you start into another book and you're turning the page and you get to Exodus, then just pause and and listen to that 30 to 40 minute message and it will show you what to look for in the book of Exodus and you'll see Jesus is actually the Passover lamb. I mean, it's crazy, but Jesus is revealed in every single book of the Bible in remarkable and remarkable ways. It'll change the way you think about the Bible if you listen and do what I'm saying. So go to the blog and check it out and, and, you know, that's the best I can do to encourage you in that regard. So let's just respond to the Lord. I, I felt the Lord prompting me to just bring a reminder. Worship team, if you guys wouldn't mind coming up. Uh, a, an illustration that I, I shared maybe a year or so ago. Tracy's car was messing up. And I took her car to the mechanic. And as I pulled into the mechanic shop and got the mechanic out there, how many of you have ever had it happen before? Nothing. And I'm standing there like, no, really, it's messing up. And the mechanic's like, well, I can't fix what I can't hear or see or know. And I was like, okay, fine. So I, I drive off. I get off the parking lot. And what happens? It starts. How many of you this has happened before? How many of you cussed? No, 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 I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't cuss. Tracy, now, when I got home, she was, she didn't either. <laughs> And so I actually did it again. And so I turned around and went back. And I said, no, no, it's doing it. And he stands there and it stopped. And I mean, I was really frustrated. It wasn't until later that it started doing it again and I was able to get it in the presence of the mechanic while it was doing it. And he goes, ah, I hear it. Okay, now I know. Uh, when, when, he, when he said that, how many of you know my heart was full? Right? You've experienced this perhaps. My heart wasn't full because the car had a problem. My heart was full because the problem was revealed in the presence of the one who I knew could fix the problem. Some of you, like Tracy started, are like that rabbit, and you've got some issues. Let me let me correct that to a more accurate statement all of us in this room have some issues and the problem is we come into gatherings like this and this is part of the confusion of the western world church that you and I live in today and we cover everything up and we pretend it doesn't exist and we're in the presence of the one who can fix it but because we're not unveiling it it's not going to get repaired come on why don't you stand There's something going on maybe in your heart, in your emotions, in your mind, in your life.
Understanding the spirit of prophecy is the spirit of Christ. And he is here. I'm looking at you all sensing God revealing things right now that is mind-boggling to me. I'm just saying that to say to you, what we're coming into as the church, that's not because I'm a pastor. That's because I'm a Christian. I'm I'm looking at you, and, and I'm like, all of a sudden, like, I sense velvet, like every direction. I, I, it's, this is the Lord. This is the Lord awakening his church. Maybe you've been hiding your issues. You've not been honest about your issues. But come on. If you know you're not where you need to be with Jesus, right now I want to say to you, you're in the presence of the mechanic, the one who can fix it. If you know there are issues that have been holding you back, would you just join me right now and just lift your hands just like this, if that's you. Let's just be honest before the Lord. We're in the presence of the one who can reach deep within us and begin to repair our broken soul, our messed up thinking, our our contaminated disposition that only he can restore and replenish. And so, Father, you see hands lifted. I just speak to those of you that are online, wherever you are, do the same. Just in this moment, just respond to the Lord if that's you. Lord, we just say, we don't have this figured out. What we do know is that you did come, you did live, you did die. The single most provable incident in the history of the world is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And you are not in the tomb. You've been risen from the grave. You're the Savior of the world. And today we acknowledge we need you as our Savior. We need you as our Lord. Will you come rescue us from ourselves as you rescue us from our sins in Jesus' mighty name? Come on, if that's your prayer and your declaration today why don't you give him praise and we say Jesus you are Lord you are Lord you are Lord you're never supposed to go a long time on Easter Sunday But I just want you to know, all those rules of leadership that have so trained the church are going out the window where the church has been enamored by leaders and rulers, if you will. God is now going to begin to raise up mothers and fathers that will be devoted to the very heart of Jesus, awakening his sons and daughters to be everything God's called us to be. So I'm going to ask our our prayer team and our elders, if you all would just come. These lights will come up on the sides. We're going to take just a few moments and just worship together before we conclude. I want you just to to allow the Lord, whatever he's stirring and awakening within you, if you made a decision for Christ today, let us know that. This would be a great time for you to come and just say, would you pray in agreement with me about anything going on in your life? I, I know we still have some things going on. But let's just take these two to three minutes and not just feel rushed, but let's just rest in Him as we worship. Father, we just say, we do need you. Forgive us where we've treated you like your vitamins that would supplement our lives when you're actually like oxygen and without you, we simply cannot live. We need you. Help us to begin to understand that, Lord, as a more mature bride of Christ you've called us to be in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Come on. It's from the bottom of your heart where you worship the Lord your God. If you need anybody to pray with you, would you make your way up right now so we can have just a few moments of prayer with you before we're dismissed out to go to the egg hunt that we have planned following the service.